Welcome to Roman's Road, the podcast of me, Eddie Roman. This is where we talk about evangelism and apologetics and all kinds of Christian stuff. Hey, just like I just said on the intro, I'm Eddie Roman. This is Roman's Road, and this podcast is part of the Christian podcast community. Yes, I am part of a community. I belong. I am somebody. Okay, so today I have two main things I'm going to do. First, I'm going to give my evangelism orientation. And then also, I'm going to play a Q&A session that we recently did at my church, Faith Bible Church in Marietta, California. We are going through a series dealing with different worldviews. And the way it works is every week, someone will preach a sermon on a particular subject. And then afterwards, we have a panel where we do some question and answer about the subject that was just preached on, um, mainly on how we can apply these things to our lives. And with the worldview subjects in particularly, a lot of apologetics questions come up. And so that's what we're dealing with in the question-answer session. I have the opportunity to be one of the panel members. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to play the first week of Q&As, and it's on the subject of truth. My friend John Stead He preached the message. You can actually find John Stead's message on relative truth at faith-bible.net if you want to hear the whole sermon. And then I'm just going to be playing the question and answer part. I would suggest you listen to John's message if this is a subject you're interested in. And if you're going to do any kind of evangelism, it needs to be a subject that you have a good grasp on. Truth, relative truth versus absolute truth. This is something that's always going to come up. So I'd encourage you to check that out. And before we get into both of those, I'm going to give you a little freebie here. All right. This is, this is going to be better than Craigslist, free stuff. I'm talking about free evangelism stuff. So there is a book out right now, a little booklet. It's called What Time is Purple? And it is a gospel tract. It deals with the subject of relative truth versus objective truth. It deals with evolution and how a person can know what is true, some different things like that. It's very good reading for college students and teenagers and young adults and anyone who is alive in 2019 because, you know, it's something that is kind of everywhere. This is the way people think nowadays. And this gospel tract, it's, it's actually pretty big. It's more like a booklet. It deals with this. And it's something you as a Christian can give out to friends friends, family, strangers, enemies, anyone you want to. And the best part about it is right now you can get these booklets for free. Yes, free, as in you don't have to pay nothing. So the way you can get these booklets right now, it is October 7th, 2019. You go on my blog, that's eddieroman.com, and you look for the blog entry for October 7th, 2019. I just posted it. And look for the post titled Purple Time. Purple Time, okay? The name of the booklet is What Time is Purple? Kind of a funny name. And it's a funny world we live in, so it's perfect. So anyway, go to eddyroman.com, get yourself some free booklets, and don't say, I never gave you nothing. Okay, so let's talk about an orientation. So you're taking someone out to evangelize for the first time. So this would be for people who are already evangelizing. It's important that you're on the same page. First of all, theologically, kind of makes sense that 
if you're preaching the gospel to someone, and then all of a sudden your friend steps in and he starts preaching a different gospel, which is no gospel at all, that's going to be a problem. You know, so you want to get those things sorted out before you go. First of all, the first thing I do is I just tell them, you know, when I go out and I share with people, I preach the law and the gospel. And so this is a concept that is foreign to a lot of people, even people in my own church. They might not be familiar with the term. They, they probably have heard it preached from the pulpit. My pastor, Chris, he actually preaches this way often. He'll use the Ten Commandments to show a person that they are sinners before a holy God. And then once they understand that, he will present the gospel. So it's a, it's a very tried and true method. And, and basically, you know, simply put, you show a person why they need a Savior, and then you present to them the Savior, Jesus Christ. So I'm going to tell the person that's coming with me, I'm going to explain to him what I'm going to do. I might say something like, you know, when I'm out there, you're going to hear me say the same thing over and over again, whether I'm talking one-to-one or whether I'm open-air preaching, you're going to hear me using the law to show a person their need for a Savior. And so you'll hear me ask questions like, how many lies have you told in your life? How many times have you used God's name in vain? You know, have you ever looked at a woman with lust. And when you first hear this, you might think, man, that is so personal. This is so awkward and wrong. Like, how dare you ask this person about their personal life? You need to understand what I'm doing is I'm taking a person through the Ten Commandments. This is something, if you're familiar with the Ministry of Living Waters and Ray Comfort, he's been doing this for years. And this is a very common way to go about evangelism. So once I take people through the law, then I'm going to present the gospel. I'm going to show a person their need for a Savior, and then I'm going to present them with the Savior. Okay, so I'm going to let the person I'm bringing know that this is what I'm going to do, because I just want them to understand. I want them to learn this method, because it's a very simple method, and it's a very effective way for a person to realize what the gospel is and how it applies to them. Very important. I went out with a guy evangelizing once, and we were in a downtown area, And my friend walks right up to the first guy he sees, and he says, hey, Jesus loves you. And this guy looked at him, and he said, okay, cool. And he just kept walking. And it was just kind of funny. It was just weird. You know, Jesus loves you. Well, yeah, that that is true. Jesus loves everyone in a way, in a sense. You know, he has his general love for all mankind. But as far as we know, the guy might have also been thinking, yeah, Jesus loves me, Buddha loves me, Allah, everybody loves me because I'm such a good person. Like, who knows what they're thinking? And so if you go right to the gospel, if you go right to the good news, from what I've seen in talking to people, people don't understand why it matters to them. Jesus Christ died on the cross. Okay, yeah, I learned that when I was a kid, but it's meaningless to me because I'm a good person and it doesn't really matter. There's a lot of people who think that way. So by taking them through the law and showing them how they've broken the law and they're guilty before a holy God, even though they've never murdered anyone or they're not in prison or something in their mind that's a really bad thing, they've broken God's law. So I'm going to explain that to the person I'm taking out. Another thing I'm, I'm going to explain to them is it is not weird or strange or awkward for them to eavesdrop into my conversations with people I don't know. And this is a funny thing because, you know, you think about it. If, if you and your friend were talking and having an intimate conversation 
and one of your other friends who wasn't a mutual friend of the person you're talking to, if they were to walk up and just start listening, that would be kind of rude. That would be weird, right? That you would be uncomfortable. And so you take that into a street evangelism um, environment, and it kind of feels the same way. If I'm talking to someone and I'm, we're having this, you know, could be intimate conversation, could be very lively, or, or who, who knows what, what, how it's going to go. If another person comes over and just starts eavesdropping, it kind of seems like it would be the same way, but it's not. It's absolutely not. It's the weirdest thing. I will tell people who come with me to evangelize. When you see me talking to someone, feel free to come over and just stand next to me and listen. Like, this is how you're going to learn. This is how I learned. I used to go and just hang out with other guys who were evangelizing, and I would just listen on their conversations and pick stuff up. And this is the best way for you to be discipled in evangelism is simply by listening to how other people do it. And it's the weirdest thing, you know, and I think it's kind of like this. If I am talking to someone on the street, I am talking to a perfect stranger. They are talking to a stranger, me, and for another stranger to come over and stand next to the stranger they're talking to, it, it, it doesn't become any less personal because now they're just talking to two strangers instead of one. And so it's, it's just a weird thing. Like you aren't invading on any private thing between close in, intimate friends. You're basically coming and standing amongst strangers, you know? So it's just this weird thing. So I encourage people when they come along with me to evangelize, just come in and listen in. All right, so another thing I'm going to tell the people I'm bringing along to evangelize for the first time, I'm going to let them know if you have any questions during this whole time, whether it be, why am I doing things a certain way? Why did I just say that a certain way? You know, this person just said something to me. Why didn't I respond a certain or whatever it is, feel free to ask me. We are here so you can learn. And I am very open to teaching you. And I'll tell you right off the bat, I am not a perfect evangelist. You'll probably get the opportunity to see me stumble over my words or mess up every once in a while. Um, feel free to ask me about that too. Go ahead. Just ruin my day. Make me realize how lame, lame I am. I can't even say the word lame. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's it's kind of like the reason you're there is to learn. And so I have no problem answering questions and just guiding you through the whole process. Anyway, people just like to listen in and just see what this whole thing is, is all about. A lot of people are afraid. They think that if you talk to someone about Jesus, they're going to get mad. Or if you talk to someone about Jesus, it's going to immediately just be this big argument. And in my experience, it's not like that. Those things do happen, but they're not the norm. It doesn't happen every single time. And once in a while it might, but usually if someone's going to get heated like that, the conversation is just going to end and it's going to be over and, you know, no fistfights begun, you know? And so people have a lot of misconceptions about evangelism. So that's why I like just to bring people along. Okay. So if I'm going to be open air preaching, I am going to give the people who come with me instructions on what they're to do. There's a whole lot that is good to know just so you are involved, either involved in what's going on or you don't mess it up. <laughs> and so the way you can mess it up, there's a lot of ways you can mess it up. One way is, let's say I'm open air preaching and all of a sudden up walks Mr. Atheist and he's got all these quotes about evolution that he's going to throw at me. And then Fred is over there, the evolution expert from my church, 
And so I'm, I'm going back and forth with Mr. Heckler. And Fred steps over and he decides he's going to take on Mr. Heckler. And he, he basically interrupts the preaching and he starts answering the guy's question. Well, that is not allowed. If I had a buzzer, I would ring it. <clears throat> Foul. The open-air preacher, they get the heckler. It is it is an open-air preacher's job. It is their responsibility to deal with the heckler. Because what will happen is as the open-air preacher and the heckler are getting into a conversation, that is going to draw attention. And nothing will grow a crowd quicker than two people debating or even, an he- uh, even a heckler yelling at, screaming at, even cussing at a preacher. As much as we don't want that, that will grow a crowd so quick. And so a good open-air preacher, they will use that kind of situation to their advantage. I am going to do my best to try to use that heckler to grow the crowd. I'm not going to ridicule him. I'm not going to mock him. I'm not going to do anything sinful towards him. But I'm going to allow his screaming to basically act as an advertisement for people to gather around because there's something going on here. So all that to say, if I bring you to come along while I'm open air preaching, don't interrupt, even when things might seem like they're getting heated, even if in your mind you're going, man, I could answer this guy's question so much better than Eddie can right now. Maybe you can. There's a good chance you can. (laughs) But for the dynamic of the open air preaching itself, I would just ask you, please don't interrupt. And then after it's over, if, if Mr. Heckler is still around, you're welcome to go talk to him. All right. If you are in an open air preaching area, another thing you can do, you know, obviously you can observe. You are more than welcome, at least with me, you are more than welcome to come along and just watch and just listen and just hang out and, and not open your mouth one time. If you do that, that's fine. You know, you you are more than welcome to come along. If you want to, if you want to pay for Starbucks, um, that's good too. But you are more than welcome just to come along and hang out and uh, you know observe. And many times I've had friends who've who've done that, and then they do it again, and then they do it again, and next thing I know, they're part of my team. And so you're more than welcome just to come and not say anything and just watch. Consider it a field trip. <laughs> you know, you're welcome to to. You know, we get there, I set up, you're welcome to go over and, and get an ice cream or get some dinner and just, just bring your hamburger over and just hang out next to the area and just watch. You are more than welcome to do that. And if something happens, God forbid, and a group of rabid atheist gang members show up and beat me down, well, I got you there to, to call an ambulance and I appreciate that. So just being there, that's fine. So don't feel obligated. Don't feel like you have to do something or say something if you come to observe. You don't. Same with open-air preaching. You know, you're welcome to come to observe. Now, if you want to do more than observe, you can hand out tracks. You can find them at livingwaters.com, and you can find free What Time is Purple ones at eddyroman.com, October 7th, 2019 blog posts. I am such a good advertiser for myself. So if a crowd does form listening to the preacher, I kind of talked about this on another podcast, but you just kind of stay back behind the crowd and just observe the people listening. And at some point they're going to get bored or they might start looking at their phone. And that's kind of an indicator. They're about to leave. They're about to leave this preaching stuff and go, you know, on with their life. And that's a point where you can go up to them and just ask one simple question. What do you think about that guy? And a lot of times they will tell you, you know, one of the hardest things in evangelism is how do I get into a conversation 
how do I bring up the supernatural? How do I go from, here's a guy walking down the street, here's a guy walking on the beach, hanging out by the pier. How do I start a conversation and get to talking about spiritual things? In an open-air preaching area with someone who's been listening to a preacher, that whole requirement of bringing it up is now gone because it's already brought up. That person is already thinking about spiritual things. And so go up to them and say, so what do you think about that? So that is an easy way, probably the easiest way, to get into a spiritual conversation at an open-air preaching area. Now, outreach happens, evangelizing goes on, millions of people get saved, and so now you're done with your outreach, and now we're going to drive home. And so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to do a debriefing. I'm going to instigate this. And the way I'm going to instigate it is I'm just going to ask the person, so what'd you think? And they might have a whole lot on their mind already, or they might be like me, a naturally not so talk so much person. <laughs> kind of funny. I got a podcast and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty shy um, when it comes to non-evangelism stuff, but you might have someone who just doesn't talk a lot. And so I'm going to, I'm just going to ask questions, you know, so did you get into any conversations while we were there? And this is the most important question I ask. Did you get into any conversations where you didn't know how to answer? Or did you get into any conversations where the person said something and it kind of made you go, huh, it kind of, it's kind of bugging you. I will do this, especially when I take my boys out, I'll take my boys out evangelizing with me and I'll ask them afterwards, was there anything out there that was said that you heard that kind of was confusing or you don't understand? And every once in a while, they're going to say something like, yeah, the one guy said that that Jesus wasn't God because the Bible says this, this, and this. And, and so it's going to be a great opportunity for me to teach my boys what the truth is concerning whatever it is that cult member, you know, threw into his head. And so... I do that with my boys, but also with the adults that come, same thing can happen. You know, they might hear something. Maybe that friend of yours who you brought from church, maybe there's an issue in their head that they've been secretly dealing with for a long time. And in talking to this atheist, it just got brought up again. And now this guy's really struggling with it. You don't know. So I'm going to do everything I can just to talk to the person I bring and just ask, what do you think? You know, what, what did you like? What was weird? What was the most embarrassing part, just whatever. I'm just going to talk to this person. So I'm going to do a debriefing. And that is how I roll. All right. For those of you who don't know, I am an active member of Faith Bible Church in Murrieta, California. Website is faith-bible.net. I lead the evangelism ministry and I love my church. I've been there for over 10 years. And every once in a while, they actually let me teach. And so I'll teach evangelism classes or different equipping classes, uh, apologetics classes, things like that. And lately, we have been doing a Sunday night series on worldview, and it's been a lot of fun. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, someone will preach on a subject. Ray Comfort is actually going to be there at my church this coming Sunday night. He's going to teach on probably evangelism. Who knows? But afterwards, in, in all these different sermons, after the sermon, we get up there and we do a panel, question and answer panel. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to play the first question and answer panel from the first sermon that John Stead preached a couple weeks ago on 
relative truth. My pastor, Chris, he's the one moderating it, and he's a fun, excitable guy. And so what he's doing is he's kind of leading the conversation, and you'll, you'll see that he is interacting with the crowd and asking them questions and getting them to talk to each other, and then he's coming back to us. And so it's, it's just a fun time. John Stead, he's a, he's a good friend of mine. He is a very effective personal evangelist. He always has stories about going to the gym and playing basketball and leading these guys to Christ on the court, you know, and, he, and he's got all these relationships with all these people on the personal one-to-one level. And it's, it's very humbling when I talk to him and just hear about how he just makes all these friends in the course of his business or in the course of his sports or just stuff, his, his neighbors, and he's just constantly witnessing for Christ. And John has been a big and encouragement to me all the time I've been at the church. So it's been a lot of fun. And then Sean Farrell, he's the other person that's on the panel. Sean Farrell is an elder at Faith Bible Church. He also leads the college ministry. Just a great brother. I, I, I love both of these guys. And it was just it was just awesome to be on a panel with two guys I respect so much. So anyway, here it is, a panel on relative truth. Uh, here they are. What well, We have the Super duper, uh, Sean Farrell, right here, okay? And in the center, who will be with us every single night, uh, an incredible evangelist, oversees our evangelism ministry, and a guy who's tackling a lot of these issues that just pop off all the time. Let's welcome Mr. Eddie Roman right there, okay? So, guys, let's get with it. Get in it. Don't be shy. Get Jump in. Talk over each other. What do you got to do? How do you respond to somebody who says, there's no truth? I ask, is that true? <laughs> and uh, that, that's really it. And so if they say, yes, it's true, then they've just proved that there is a truth, and they're wrong. So if, if there is no truth, then that's a truth. And so one, one of the things to remember, <laughs> okay. it's, it's really that easy. So what do you say, Eddie, when no, there's no truth? Is that true? Oh, I'm stumped. You okay. are stumped. <laughs> Good. One of the things to remember is that our worldview as, as Christians, we understand everything that John taught tonight is true. The, re- the reason we agree with that is because our worldview as a Christian, we believe the Bible, that's where we're coming from. But the unbeliever has a worldview as well, and we need to remember that. And one of the, one of the main things the Bible says about the unbeliever when it comes to truth, Romans chapter 1, they're suppressing the truth. So when an unbeliever comes to you and says there is no truth, it's not really your job to prove to them that there's a truth. You just need to understand this person is suppressing the truth and just kind of go from there. Yeah, one of my application points was, like, if you start to share with somebody and they're a relative, you're like, ah, okay, we, we don't have level ground at all. See you, buddy. I'm out of here. You know, no, you still stay with them. Whether they want to believe that truth, that you're the truth of the gospel, you still Give them the truth of the gospel because it's the power of God to work on their soul and work on their conscience. And one of my other points was make sure that you're quoting the Bible and giving the Bible and opening the Bible with them and let the authority of the sword of spirit cut to the heart. Who cares if they believe it or not? I mean, we want to reason with them and love them in that sense, but we still got to give them the truth and let the Holy Spirit and the power of the word and the power of the gospel cut. Yeah, it's the word that saves it's the word that sanctifies so leave them with god's truth mm-hmm. right okay sean come on no i'm good let's you go got on. Nothing? <laughs> no, okay I'm good. what Moving is on. truth 
Yeah, Maybe moving you on. Can, yeah, moving no, on. You can't, later, you can't show them your, your forearms because that's intimidating. No, so, no. Yeah. That's subjective. Yeah. You've got, that's what? Subjective. Or is that objective? That's it's totally objective subjective. to me. I mean, it's a hey, fact. Eddie, Eddie, there's no truth. <laughs> is that true? There you go. What are you going to say when they say, is that true? <laughs> yeah, well, okay. No, there's no <laughs> truth. There's no so, truth. So, I faked you out. All right. There's no truth. What do you say? Is that yeah, true? Yeah, there you go. So what do you say if you've shared the gospel with somebody, or you're talking about Jesus, you're talking about the cross, and they respond, well, I'm, I'm so glad. I've heard this so many times, I want to vomit. I'm so glad that works for you. Yeah. I'm so glad. You know, well, that's your truth. How do you respond to that? Come on, guys. I'm going to, well, with, with, with most questions, I'm going to ask, what do you mean by that? Okay. Because when they say, that's your truth, that could mean different things. One of them, and, and probably more commonly, that basically means don't tell me what to do. You know, yeah. you do you, I'll do me, and never the twain show me, you know. But in, for, for a lot of people who have been to college and they've taken these philosophy classes, what they mean is whatever you believe is, it's relativism. Mm-hmm. And, and, and John explained this, whatever you believe is true, that's true for you, but this is true for me. So what I'm going to do there is I'm going to try to dismantle that as well. Mm-hmm. So I might ask something like, so you're saying whatever I believe is true, then that's true. And they'll say, yeah. And, and so I'll ask them, well, I believe that if you don't repent, you're going to go to hell. And according to you, I'm right. <laughs> you know? And, and, and so, so... Hey, Eddie, can we just bring you along everywhere we go? <laughs> It's called Eddie in the back pocket. Okay, yeah. Well, it's, it's I mean, the, the issue of truth, the, these quite, I mean, so many of these assertions, and you need, to, you need to remember, when someone says there is no truth, or what's true for you is true for you, this is an assertion, and often there's nothing to back it, and so, so your job is just to kind of gently point that out. Now, with all these things, you, you can be a jerk about it. So many people listen to Crowder and... and Ben Shapiro and these guys, and these guys are very good at doing this, but they can be kind of mean, and more importantly, they're not Christians, they're not yeah. preaching the gospel. So, so these answers, they're kind of a starting point, and I'm not going to do it in a mean way, I'm not going to mock them, I'm not going to laugh at them and walk away. That's a starting point, and then, starting point, and then I'm going to get into a conversation, you know, what, do you really think that everything everyone believes is right? And I'm just going to ask a bunch of questions. You know, ISIS... That's a religious group. Do you believe that what ISIS believes is true? Because they believe it's okay to throw homosexuals off a five-story building. That's true for them. Are you okay with that? Mm-hmm. And so I'm just going to drill down into, you know, worst-case scenarios of, of what their worldview is, is going to lead to, mm-hmm. right? And, and after that conversation, I'm, I'm, I'm going to gently point out, you know, it seems to me like you understand that there is this thing called truth, you, you have your own version of it. The Bible actually says that the reason you're contradicting yourself is because is you're actually suppressing the truth mm. and unrighteousness. And, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start there and then go into the good person test, test which I'm sure Ray Comfort will show us how to do that. But, and then I'm going to get into Jesus' statements on the truth and different things. So, mm. so again, these things are okay, starting so Romans 1. They're suppressing the truth. They're suppressing the truth. Okay, and when we give an answer, it's going to be in First Peter 3.15, in gentleness. So Correct. So we're going to respect people. We're going to be yes. gracious to them. But when they do say, well, well, that's good for you, 
And uh, again, I'm repeating the same thing again. Uh, and, and well, that's your truth, or that's good for you. How do you respond? Can Sean, I, you can I, throw yeah, something? Okay. Uh, just to, I want to take a different slant, but it's in the same general argument that Eddie's going down. To ask maybe some questions back uh, to establish, and I'm not a philosophist. I'm pretty much, well, the Bible says that. I believe God gave me that kind of a simple mind and simple heart. So that's my pre- presupposition here. But if I say to you, um, hey, sex is great, um, and you say sex is great, and sex should be unrestricted, right? Like, that's what the world believes. Like, let's just go and have a great time out there. Your body, your future, your life, do what you want, have a great time. But if you had sex with somebody else's spouse, we would call that adultery, right? And the world has different words for it. If, we, if you had sex with a child, we would say that's child abuse. If you had sex with somebody against their will, we would call that rape, uh, and so even as something as simple as that, you can establish that people actually believe that there is some moral value out there that we all hold to, right? You see where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. If you steal something from somebody, we, we naturally inherently know that that's wrong. There is, I'm going to use the word, there is a truth established within us. If you kill somebody, it, you don't have to have a law uh, in the state of California, in the United States of America that says this is, this is an incorrect thing to do. It's written into our hearts. And if we're talking about Romans 1 suppressing the truth, Romans 2 goes on to talk about verses 12 and following that there's been something that's been written into our hearts. And even without the law, even the guy in Africa who's never heard the gospel, never seen any of these things, still has a law written into his heart or her heart. And guess what? Sins against that law. Because that's what's inside of us. And so establishing that, and this is partly for us more so than communicating this with somebody else, but there's something to understand that, that there is something written into the heart of every human being that God does exist. That's Romans 1. He's made it clear in creation. We can see and know, wow, there is a God. Romans 2, he's written the code into our hearts. And so we recognize there is moral value or there is truth based on those things alone. So uh, anyway, I don't know if that would answer the question super well, but I think it's under, uh, important to have that as a backdrop for us. Okay, that's great. One more time, Romans 1, it, they're suppressing the truth. So how are you going to respond to when they say, one more time, just one more time, that's your truth. I, I'm glad you feel that way. Oh, I'm glad that works for you. Just give me the answer right now. Do it again. Same thing. Well, it's not the same thing I said, but it'd be, <clears throat> ask the question again. <laughs> That's your truth. I'm so glad you believe that. I'm, I'm glad that works for you. That's the one I hear all the time. I'm now, glad that works for you. Does that mean everyone gets to make up our own truth? We, we're all allowed to do that, not just you? So, so, so that means that Donald Trump, he gets to do whatever he wants, and they're probably not going to like that. Yeah. The ISIS, <laughs> ISIS gets to do whatever they want. The child molester gets to do whatever they want. Everyone gets to do their own truth, and according to your world, world view, that's Okay. Yeah. Mm. Then usually yeah, they respond easy. back, well, then society has morals. Society makes those plans. So like the society of Nazi Germany, that was okay? There you yeah. go. Or the Taliban, you know? Okay. So next question. I'm moving on. <laughs> I just got stumped. Uh, if you <laughs> shared a scripture with someone and they say, that's not true, how do you respond? Mm-hmm. That's not true. You say it back even louder. Uh, <laughs> it always works. <laughs> that's good. Thank you, John. <laughs> I'll go down a different pathway than I think Eddie would go down because, again, I'm a simpleton, and I'm not really great in philosophy, but what I know is the person in front of me is in great need, and they are, they are 
they are suppressing the truth like a giant spring. They're pushing it down, Romans 1, 17 and 18. We've talked about this five times now. And that is down there deep in their heart. They're saying, I will not believe. I'm a salesman in my job. By, this is what I do 40 hours a week. I go and try to convince people to use products in the operating room that they may or may not want to use. They come up with objections all the time. I don't want to use it. It's too expensive. It's going to take too long. It's too much to learn. I, I just don't like you. All these different things. Those are objections, Right. And I, I'm not, this is a, it's a rough illustration, but what you're hearing when people are saying things like this, these are objections to very one simple truth. I don't want to submit to God in my life. That's what this is. That's what Romans 1.17 says. This p- truth is suppressed. I don't want to deal with God. I'll do things my own way. And so for, for me, as I'm, I'm looking through what's being said here, and I'm not getting worked up to get down a philosophical conversation, what I really want to do in that is I want to ask them about their life. And I want to get down to the fact that, you know what? Oh, you, you've been divorced. Oh, really? Your kids don't talk to you. Oh, you're having a hard time financially. Oh, life isn't perfect in your world. And, and there's a brokenness there. And I want to get beyond this argument into where their life is so that I can expose the fact they have a greater need than just arguing about philosophy. And then I want to, once that wall's been broken down, I want to go back again with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm never going to shy away from the Bible. I'm never going to shy away from the truth. I'm trying to not allow this to take me around too many rabbit holes to go down these questions. And then you sit there talking about philosophy for 20 minutes and, oh, we got to go. And you've never actually gotten to the fact that you're a sinner. You stand condemned before a holy God and you need a savior. And so somehow I'm trying always to redirect down that central pathway in my conversations. Okay. No, that's that's a great point. And what people will do is they'll say things like, well, I don't believe in the Bible, so don't use the Bible when you're talking to me. You know, yeah, share those verses, but I don't believe in the Bible. Don't use the Bible. And if you go along with their plan, you've lost the argument before it's even started. Because what they're saying is throw down your sword. We're about to fight. Yeah. And if you do that, you're, you're done, right? And, and so you definitely want to be, you, you, you're a Christian, you use the Bible to, to, to you know, fight for the truth. Someone says there is, there is no, or that's not true, and that'll come in different forms. Maybe you'll be talking to someone, claiming, a, you'll, you'll be presenting a biblical truth, and they'll say that's not true. Or maybe they'll say, you believe in Noah's Ark? You believe that all these animals got in this boat and float? You believe in a, tonky, a talking donkey? Or that a snake, t- and, the, and they'll basically what they're saying is, that's not true. And so what I'm going to ask them is, so so where do you get truth without God? Where do you get truth without God? And there is there is no answer because it all, it's always going to come down to either relativism or I just believe in what's real. Well, they just basically said I believe what's true, and it, it, that doesn't mean anything. They, again, they've made an assertion; they haven't proven anything. Where do you get truth without God? And they will, you will watch someone just go around in circles and just trying to explain what truth is where they have no basis for truth, you know? And they're going to talk about every other thing other than that, you know? It's, all, it's always, always going to come down to relativism. I do, I believe what feels right to me, or I believe just what the facts are. Well, what does that mean? When you look at evidence as, as a, a Christian... And then someone looks at evidence as an atheist, you're seeing the same evidence, but because of your presupposition, because of your worldview, the Christian sees old bones in the ground, and they say, look, someone died a long time ago. The atheist looks at old bones in the ground, look, look, it's proof of evolution, you know? So you're seeing the same stuff, but you're going to come to conclusion based on 
what you already believe. And someone who doesn't have God as a basis for truth, they're going to have a very hard time explaining what truth is and where it comes from, right? And it's, all, it's usually going to come down to relativism or, or, or something. So I'm going to ask them, you know, where, where do you get truth without God? How, you know, this, this, the Bible isn't true. Okay, so where do you get truth without God? And then, again, they're, they're going to stumble, and then, and then Sean's going to say, forget this philosophy stuff. I'm going to <laughs> go in on him, which is, yeah. which is what I do as well. I mean, we're, t- we're talking about first, first questions coming in, but, you know, uh, I'm, I'm always going to, you know, may, I might not say Romans chapter 1 says, but I'm going to say, you know, you're suppressing the truth. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it, you know, without them knowing they're getting a Bible study, but they're going to be hearing Bible verses. Okay, so John and yeah. Sean, I want you to be the non-Christians right now, and uh, you're going to actually uh, do a little role play here, and, uh, and basically you're going to come up to uh, Eddie, and you're going to say, Eddie, there, there's no truth. They're, they're just, uh, and, and you're going to walk them through to the gospel. So ready, on your market set, go. Hey, man. Hey. Hey, would you like a gospel track? <laughs> I don't know. Hey, aren't you? You're a famous BMX bike yeah. guy. Wait a minute. No, you're the That's guy that true. wrote that. Yeah. He wrote that book. That's a true. You're an author also. You're an author. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you start. Yeah. Because you came to <laughs> well, us. I'm not going to come up oh, to Oh, I'm me. coming to you. Hey, you've got this painting thing you're doing down here at the beach. Yeah. And uh, all this talk. I don't, I don't believe... I don't believe any of this. You don't believe any of it. I don't believe any of it. You don't believe like I'm with him. Paint. You don't believe any. <laughs> yeah. You're with him. I'm with him. I believe in the paint because I can see it. But you're talking about a God that I can't see, a God that I can't know. I, I don't. I don't buy any of that stuff. Okay. He's a crutch. He's a crutch. Big crutch. God's a crutch. Yes. He's, he's actually more than a crutch. He's the whole hospital. Sure. But so so okay. So you so you say you don't believe in God. Um, so what, what's, your, what's your standard for truth? Like, how do you know what I just do, right or wrong Yeah, is? right. I just do what, what feels right to me. I try to live a good life. I, I'm, I, I don't worry about that spiritual stuff. I just kind of, okay. you know, I pay my taxes. I go to work. I take care of my family. Why do you do that? Because I'm a good person. So, so what, what's, your, <laughs> what's your standard of good? Like, you said you're a good person. How do you know the bank robber isn't good because he's it's good to him well yeah but he's stealing from people that's what's, not right what's wrong with stealing why isn't that he's right? taking from from the rich and giving it to the poor which robin is hood did that yeah but that's a <laughs> that's a tv story i'm just saying that that that's outside of the realm he's breaking the law as an example of that you can't do that why can't you my question is why can't you do that like like god and, I, and i'm a christian of course this, yeah. this is the way i talk god is the source of of all our knowledge of right or wrong. So the reason you know that stealing is wrong is because God is not a thief, and out of his character have come these things called the Ten Commandments. One of them is you shall not steal. So the reason you know, even though maybe you never read the Bible, because this God has put in your conscience the fact that stealing is wrong, okay? So even though you, you might say that you don't believe this stuff, you're actually living in God's world. You're living according to the God who created you, and even though you say you don't believe in God, the fact that you know that stealing is wrong is, is one of the evidences that you can see that, that his way is the correct way, whether you think it is or not. Okay, but you're talking about this God. I, how, do, how do I know the God that you believe in is right? There's so many other, other stories out there. And I talked to somebody just the other day that, that uh, is an atheist. I'm an agnostic, basically. I got this friend over here who's a Catholic. My parents grew up um, as... 
This isn't true, but as Jews, I have, uh, <laughs> so, I, you know, so, Jewish, so. Yeah. Uh, hey, like, well, I didn't tell you this, but oh, you're my dad Jewish. is Jewish, so I'm a Jew, too. <laughs> you never knew that. Shalom. How close <laughs> are you guys? So a minute ago, it's interesting, a minute ago you said you were an, an agnostic. You know, the word agnostic means you don't know. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that one hand you're telling me when it comes to religion and stuff, I don't know, and yet you seem to know enough to know that I'm wrong. So in your, in your saying that I don't know anything, you're also saying I do know this about God, That's good. that he doesn't exist or something. You know? so, so that alone kind of just, just shows that you're kind of living in a contradiction. You know, like the, way, the way you live your life shows that the God of the Bible is, is, is the true one and not Allah or the Hindu God or anything like that because you're living according to his worldview. You have a conscience that he's given. You know that stealing is wrong. You know that it's right to support your family and pay your taxes. There's a lot of guys who don't do that, and they, they think that's, that's, that's fine for whatever reason. But let me ask you this. Would you consider yourself to be a good person? Yeah. I, am a, I, I think I am a pretty good person. Okay, so what does that mean? Me too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're still there. Too. Wait, but what, what Are you going to let your friend talk at all? <laughs> yeah. It's good. Go ahead. Yeah, he doesn't make a lot of sense since he got his front I'm teeth John's knocked out. I'm and I don't think <laughs> he's good. Wait, what happened yeah. to those teeth? You're not, no, no, finish, finish. Okay. Finish. I, I'm really interested. Uh, Keep talking. You know what? <laughs> okay. I pay my taxes. I go to work. I take care of my family. I think I'm a good person. Okay. So how many lies have you told in your life? Uh, a ton. Okay. What do you call someone who's told a ton of lies? Call him a liar. All right. Have you stolen anything? Yeah. Even something small, like a diamond ring, something, anything. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've stolen. Okay. What do you call somebody who steals things? Uh, you call him a thief. Okay. I better yeah. give this back to you then. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever used God's name in vain? Even though you, you claim you don't believe in him, instead yeah. of saying, oh, my Buddha. Have you ever used God's name in vain or used Jesus' name as a, as a cuss word? Yes, I have. Okay. That's called blasphemy. You're taking the name of your creator and you're just dragging it mm. through, the, through the dirt. And then last question. Have you ever hated someone or been angry at someone? Yeah. I'm angry at you right now. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. Now, Jesus said, you know, you're not supposed to murder anyone, but I say to you, if you've ever hated someone or been angry at someone, you've committed murder in your heart. That's how high God's standard is. Our standard's very low. We let ourselves get away with all kinds of stuff. His is very high. So, so I'm not judging you, but you've just admitted to me that you're a liar and a thief and a blasphemer and a murder heart, and that doesn't sound like a, a good person to me. Does it sound like a good person to you? No, with that as the standard, it doesn't yeah. at all. And so if God was to judge you based on his law, not on yours, not on mine, would he find you innocent or guilty? Because we've we just been looking at the Ten Commandments. I'd be guilty. All right? And if God, if God is a good God and he actually keeps his word and he said, he said things like no, no, all liars shall have the, go into the lake of fire. No, no adulterer, no, no thief will enter heaven. Should he send you to heaven or should he send you to hell? He should then send me to hell. Does that concern you at all? Yeah, that concerns me a lot. You know, they have these, these, these uh, church services at FBC. You should go to them all the time. <laughs> all right, we're good. Would you thank these guys? Thank you. All right. So as you can see, we have a lot of fun at our church. I am excited to be on this panel in the series. It will be running from now until November 24th, 2019, every Sunday night. If you want more information, you can go to the Faith Bible website. That's faith-bible.net. 
Faith Bible Church in Marietta, California. And if you want to come out and see our um, celebrity superstar preachers coming, you know, we got Ray Comfort on October 13th, and we have Mike Spielman, that is the man behind abort73.com. He is coming on October 27th. So there you go, something to do, okay? Again, you cannot say I never gave you anything free because I'm giving you a whole lot of free church services you can come to for free. So, all right, well, thank you so much for listening, and I will be back again someday. Thanks for listening to Roman's Road. If you want to learn how to evangelize, check out my book, Search and Rescue, available at eddyroman.com. On my website, you'll also find videos and other things to encourage you to preach the gospel to your friends and family. That's eddyroman.com. See you next time. Two, two, two great books and one website. Visit strivingforeternity.org. There are two books that I would like to recommend you purchase. What they, meaning people who aren't Christians, other religions believe, and what we believe. Systematic Theology Made Simple. Both are great resources, especially if you plan on witnessing to somebody. Strivingforeternity.org. Looking for strategies that will help you engage in meaningful conversations with members of the Mormon Church? Well, if so, take a look at Sharing the Good News with Mormons, a new book produced by Harvest House Publishers and edited by Mormonism Research Ministries' Eric Johnson and Sean McDowell. Sharing the Good News with Mormons includes 24 helpful essays from two dozen Christian apologists, scholars, and pastors. Pick up your copy at the Utah Lighthouse Bookstore or order directly from mrm.org.